Lord, we pray this morning that our hearts will receive the living word, the seed that lives and is powerful, the seed, the word of God, uh, that we will be teachable and be uh, sort of like clay in the potter's hand. I just see, uh, I just had a vision as I was praying of clay on a, on a wheel and how the hand wants to shape. Lord, shape, shape, shape us today. Come with your hand of grace and goodness and shape the way we think, what we believe, how we see our lives and shape a response that is glorifying to you. Just pray that there be no resistance from the clay, no hard nuts in the room. Amen. <laughs> hard-baked resistance, let it not be me. So let's welcome Pastor Andrea. She's going to come and bring the word of God today. He's amazing, isn't he? If you're here and you don't know quite how amazing, well, none of us know quite how amazing he is, quite honestly, do we? But if you don't know that he's, ama- that he's amazing even in a little way. I pray your eyes will be open this morning to really encounter him. He is amazing. He's life-giving. He's life-changing. He's worth all of our lives. And uh, we got some new babies in the church. Uh, and, and one on the way. Apparently, Ruth went into labor this morning. God bless her. Grace, grace to that mountain. May it become a level plane. Uh, and what a joy, what a joy to have new babies. You know, they're, they're cute, they're new, they're exciting, and my gosh, they're hard work. You know, so I'm told and so I've seen. You know, you say hello to parents and they... What I've noticed is you say hello and as they smile, their eyes close. Do you know what I mean? Do not even do remember Tiny Tears, the doll? I mean, I'm going back many decades now, but used to tip her forward, the eyes would close. You smile at parents, they're like, God bless them. Anyway, I have a new puppy, and quite honestly, tip me in any, any direction at the moment, I'd probably topple over. He's, um, he is a joy at points, but frankly, he is hard work. I'd forgotten. I had a puppy many years ago. I'd forgotten. This is a relearning uh, of, of how to... Um, to deal with a little bundle of joy that bounces off the walls and, you know, messes everywhere constantly. It's relentless. But anyway, that's not about him. The, the, the reason I'm kind of saying this is it's a lead-in to where I'm wanting to go. Just as we need to grow up and mature physically, we need to grow up and mature spiritually, don't we? Um, The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man or an adult, I put childish ways behind me. And um, the Lord wants us to grow up and mature spiritually and put childish ways spiritually behind us. Because that's for babies. That's what you do when you first save. When you mature, you learn to live beyond your feelings and you learn to live beyond what your natural mind tells you and hold this above it all. Above all your circumstances, all your feelings which can rage at times and your thoughts that are just 
crazy at times. But, uh, and, and the Bible speaks about growing up into Christ, the head. Ephesians 4.14, okay, this is what spiritual gifts are for, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. All bad. Verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, very important to put the two together, may grow up into all things, into him who is the head, Christ. Right, so we're not just growing up into Christ. We're growing up into Christ, the head. When I got born again, and when you got born again, you got a new head. You probably didn't really realize it at the time, but I am very grateful I got a new head because I will tell you my own head has got me into more trouble than I would care to mention. Same as yours. I would rather be led by the one who sees ahead, who knows the pitfalls, and will warn me in advance. Psalm 19 speaks about the words of God And it says, by them, your servant is warned. But in keeping them, there's great reward. I love the great. You know, in keeping them. God's words, he warns us against doing the wrong things. But he rewards us when we do the right things. You know, in training, that quite honestly, this is how you train a puppy. I found out (laughs) a human or a dog. You warn against doing wrong and you reward quick when they do right well our God's like that because he's generous in nature great reward generous reward but when you and I invite Jesus into our lives he doesn't just come as savior he comes to be savior and lord but my gosh we should celebrate that because it's actually his lordship that saves us if we will allow him to be lord It will save us. Receive with meekness the implanted word. It is able to save your soul. Now, Jesus Jesus asked his disciples, his first disciples, a really, really important question. It was a turning point, actually, in his relationship with them. But the same question goes out to every single one of his disciples in every generation. We're going to look at it in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 to 16. And it starts in Caesarea Philippi. That's in the north of Israel. So they traveled to the north. So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. There was talk around town. They were gossiping, who is this man that is doing and saying such extraordinary things? He said to them, okay, great, but never mind them. Never mind what the crowds are saying. Who do you say? Who do you say that I am? And that's the question to us today. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That was, wow, where did that come from? How did you know that because the word Christ actually means anointed one his first disciples actually called him Jesus Christ it means anointed one or the Messiah the Jews all the way through their history were waiting for the Messiah and they were saying you're the Christ the Messiah 
ruler of nations. That's what that means. So he had this revelation at that point in time. You're the Christ. You're the one. The prophets of old have, have told us. They said you would come. You're him. You're the one. You're the ruler of nations. You're the anointed one. The one fit to rule my life. Wow. We're going to go back to the Matthew 16 and verse 17. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Jonah, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, this revelation, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So on this revelation... Yes, that deserves a woo, absolutely. On this revelation, you're the Christ, you're the anointed one, you're the one fit to rule. On that, not on the man, Peter, on the rock, bedrock foundation, on this foundation, I'll build my church. Every person who believes this, I'll build. Churches, generations, people who believe this, I will build. My church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We're going to fast forward to verse 21, same chapter. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. That would have been a shock. Uh, Suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes, the religious lot, and be killed and yet raised on the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Wow. He rebuked God, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, that this should happen to you. Next verse. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. My gosh, if you heard the Lord say those words. You're an offense to me. For you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Bless Peter. I I kind of feel like that about him, you know, because in his head, he's only being nice. I don't want you to die. I don't want you to suffer. He had this glory moment of revelation. You're the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, followed by a foot in mouth moment. Very quickly followed. And we can all be like that. We're going along. We have a revelation. We think God's thoughts. But then within moments, certainly within the same day, we switch back to looking at everything naturally and thinking our own thoughts. So Jesus is saying to them, there's going to be a cross. I'm just warning you. There's a cross ahead for me. To embrace God's plan for my life, there's going to be a cost. And you and I, in the flesh, are very much like Peter. No, 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 no. No cross. All the good stuff, but no cross. All the blessing, but no cost. And most of us start the Christian life like that, if we're honest. You know, when we're babies, just trying to use God, really, to get what we want. Bless me, Lord. Provide for me, Lord. Get me out of trouble. I've not got any problem praying those prayers and you know what God's not got any problem answering because he loves to bless his children he's a good father he wants to provide for you he wants to 
bless you. He wants to lead you. He wants to absolutely navigate you away from trouble ahead. All of those things. He is a God who absolutely has compassion on all he has made, but he loves to bless his children. Just to lay that down as a foundation. However, however, and there is a however, the message all the way through scripture is don't seek first the blessing. Yeah. Seek first the blesser or seek first the king and his kingdom. God's goal for you and me is that we grow up and mature spiritually so we get to the point, and it's a turning point actually, we could continue to go on, down, with our own thoughts. Or we turn around and we say, well, what do you want, Lord? Yes. I want this, but what do you want? That's a big turning point. Yeah. Your will be done. <laughs> Not mine. You know, oh, I was choked in the worship earlier because I was thinking about Jesus in the garden. You know, when we're thanking him for the cross, never forget what he's done. Well, when Jesus actually prayed that prayer himself in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. It speaks about him being so deeply distressed in his spirit, he sweated drops of blood. I don't think any of us, and I'm sure we never will face a cross in our lives where we will reach that point. And he actually says, he said, because he knew what was coming, if possible, take this cup from me. However, not my will, but your will be done. I'm so grateful Jesus didn't back out, aren't you? So grateful. And I, I saw it like this. <clears throat> the cross was not what he wanted in his humanity. But he wanted what God wanted more than what he wanted. It's not that we don't have desires that aren't the will of God. But if we're to say, not my will then, Lord, this is a cross. This is painful for me to give up what I want. But I trust you. I trust that you're good. I trust that you're amazing and see the way ahead. I trust that you know what's best for my life and so not my will. I want what you want more than what I want. That was just a little deviation there. It came to me in the worship. But wow, what a victory. You know, when we can sacrifice what we want because that cross is the entry point to his life. Amen. Really it is. It is. It's like a door into the power of God. No longer my power, his power. No longer my wisdom, his wisdom. No longer my limited resources and limited understanding. Stepping into the unlimited resources of God comes through the cross. And some of us, if not all of us, if we're honest, kind of get stuck at the cross. Sometimes we get so focused on the sacrifice, we can hang around that cross for a long time. Because we're considering what he's asking us to give up. And we're going to look at a story here about a rich young ruler, Mark 10 and verse 17. Now, as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one, that is God. 
You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and your mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. Then Jesus, I love this, like the tenderness of this. Jesus looked at him and loved him and said to him, but one thing you lack. Go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. He was sad at his word and went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. He got stuck at the cross because he was focused on what he had to give up. He didn't trust Jesus enough to take care of him on the other side. That was the issue. Verse 24, Jesus replies of the Mark 10. The disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard it is. Read this carefully. How hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. So the issue wasn't the riches. God's got no problem with wealth. There are many testimonies throughout scripture. He made some people very wealthy. They couldn't handle the wealth that he gave because he could trust them with it, you see. So the issue wasn't the, the riches. It was the place they had in that man's heart and head. Riches before Jesus. The sacrifice was too much for him. He went away sorrowful. And the disciples actually said to Jesus, this is so hard. It's so hard. Who can be saved? This is like, seriously, can't you tone it down a bit? Jesus says, verse 27, I love these words of Mark 10. Well, I can tell you because I know what it's going to say. With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Praise God. We are not without him. When you face a cross, it is impossible to go through it in the flesh But with God, all things are possible. You know, if you go to him and listen to him, let him speak to you. You have faith then to pick up your cross and trust him with the other side of it. Resurrection life's the other side. His power, his provision. You know, it actually goes on in verses later in that same chapter of Mark 10. Those who've left family and houses and lands... They'll receive a hundredfold in this life. Like, I've got no problem blessing you. You give up that, which in your head is a lot. You give up that, I'll give you this. Okay? Matthew 6, verse 33. You know this one well, but I want to put it up just to read it and look at it. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. And I know this is quite hot and strong this morning, but it's healthy. I was, when I was preparing it this week, I kept thinking about, you know, I don't know if they still do this, but throwing salt on the land to heal the land. It's a healing thing. These verses are healing things. And I believe there's a lot of unhappy Christians. (laughs) I hope there are none here. But I believe there are a lot of unhappy Christians because they're seeking first the blessing. Living to please self and get what they want and feel good about everything, if I can put it like that. And, you know, Jesus, 
He picked up his cross, but we're going to go back to the Matthew 16. Very quickly, after telling them about his cross, he starts to speak about your cross, my cross. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Next verse. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? I don't want to get to the end of my life and have regret. You know, when I see, when I see it laid out before me, as we all will, we'll stand before him and give account. I don't want to be full of excuses. Quite honestly, those excuses will fall like autumn leaves before him. Anyway, eternal salvation, to be really sure of your eternal salvation, there's a cross. You have to pick it up and follow. But I, you know, and I think we very much miss this at times. To be blessed in this life, we have to pick up our cross and follow. Living to please self, it's such a deception. It doesn't make you happy. In fact, the more you live for yourself, because I've done it, the more miserable you get. It promises everything. You end up more miserable than when you started. It's like you're feeding a bottomless pit. You can never fill it. Because you always think there's something else or something more that you either need or want. Well, I'll be happy when, you know? Never satisfied. Now, when I was preparing this message this week, I said to PJ on Thursday, this is like down the line. And I I was kind of a bit like, do I bring it or not? And the Lord said to me, it's my word, just bring it. Just bring it. Throw it out uh, and trust me to work. But kind of, he gave me this teaching to bring, and I was surprised in a way to bring this in this message. But now... I'm I'm just going to tell you because you'll see for yourselves. But I see that this is important. Some of us will know this teaching. Others of us perhaps don't. But it's very good to know that you're a spirit. I woke up on Thursday morning and I heard, you're a spirit. It did me so much good. Because of the pup, I've not actually been having a lot of sleep. I'm physically quite tired, you know. But you're spirit. You know, the body's tired, spirit's strong. And the spirit gives life to the physical body. But we've got a slide for this. You are spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. You are spirit. You have a soul. And you live in a body. So you're not looking at the real me right now. I don't want to kind of freak you out or anything. But you're not looking at the real me. And I'm not looking at the real you. You know, you might... going to close my eyes when I say this because I don't want anybody to think I'm looking at them personally but I can look at any one of you and you may be sitting there smiling but deeply unhappy on the inside we get very good at pretending don't we we can all do that and we can make the mistake of trying to make ourselves happy with outside stuff you know when things change, I'll be happy. When he changes, I'll be happy. When she changes, I'll be happy. If I had more of this, I'd be happy. If I had a better that, I'd be happy. 
outside stuff. Romans 14 verse 17 says this. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Or if I can put it like this, the kingdom of God is not a matter of outside stuff. It's not, it's not the outside world and it's not circumstances, it's internal, right? Which produces good stuff on the outside, let me tell you. However, it's righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Our God doesn't offer us a perfect life. Not in this world. You know, a perfect outside life. We have problems, we have stuff to deal with and we have difficulties to go through. But what he will offer is right standing with him. I think that's wonderful. If I'm right with God, I have confidence with God. And if I have confidence with God, I can have confidence with people. You know, it goes like that. And you may have a record going on in your head or playing in your head. What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? The enemy sold a lot of copies of that record What's wrong with me? But what? And you might have somebody in your life saying, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you know? But if you've repented, you know, if you've turned to Jesus and said, Lord, I'm sorry for all that wrong I've done. Forgive me. You're right with God. There's nothing wrong with you. Come on. We just not need to start believing. I am right with God through the blood of Jesus. There is nothing wrong with me. He's for me. And so I can be for myself. You know, instead of being my own worst enemy, I can be my own best friend. Come on. If God is for me, who can be against me? If you really believe you have right standing with God, it brings peace. It brings peace. Healthy soul. If God is for me, who can be against me? If God is on my side, Psalm 118 says, whom shall I fear? What can man do to me? It's just wonderful. What can people do to you? What can your circumstances do to you? They might be bad, but my gosh, the Lord can change it. We'll change it if you walk with him. No good thing will he withhold from those whose walk is upright. And you know, when you really start believing this stuff, the righteousness comes first. It really is that order. Righteousness, then peace. But then the joy comes, you know. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so no matter what it is you think you need to feel happy, if it isn't one of those three, let me just say to you nicely, but you're wrong. You know, your thinking's messed up. I'm not saying that if you've got trouble in your circumstances that's not the will of God, that these things don't need to change. But if you believe, I'm right with God. Me and God are right. You know, I have peace with God. I was thinking about the Romans 5 verse 17. Through the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we reign in life. If you meditate on that, start believing that, peace and joy will come. You know, we've got to stop looking at the outside and concentrate on the inside. Just Years ago, I went through the New Testament and underlined every in Christ and with Christ and in him and in whom Basically, anything that had to do with me and Jesus. It changed my life. It, it really it healed me on the inside because as I did it, I started to believe it. 
um, believing who I am in him, who he is in me. Greater is he that is in you. Oh, if we really believe that. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We're going to go back to the uh, Matthew 16, please. Key scripture for the morning. Just tell the person next to you, this is meaty, but it's doing me good. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Next verse. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let's focus on the positive. Yeah, you lose that. Beat up, difficult, you know, trampled on life. And this is what you get in return. Why wouldn't you? It's the best exchange you'll ever be offered. You know, some money can't save us. A relationship can't save us. A better this, a bigger house, a better car. Do you know what I mean? None of the frills that this world offers can save us. What will a man give? in exchange for his soul. God knows how we're made. He knows what it takes to have a truly blessed life. And it's a relationship with him and a cross. Hmm. Not just the relationship with him. Relationship with him and a cross. Dying to what we want. Living for what he wants. His purpose. I tell you what, you do this, your joy will come back. And your joy will come back so quickly. Psalm 51, it's a chapter, prayer of repentance. David had gone after Bathsheba. It had all gone shockingly wrong. Different sins had gone on in his life. He ended up murdered somebody to try and cover it up. And he's, he's at his wit's end because he realizes, I've lost the one thing, the one person who brought me joy and who could really help me. And he actually prays, creating me a clean heart, renewing me a steadfast spirit. It chokes me when I read these verses. It actually says, don't, don't take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. Oh, come on. Lord, restore to us the joy of our salvation by picking up our cross. Pick it up. I trust you, Jesus. I'm going this way. Joy, I tell you, joy will come back the joy of when you were first saved. And do you know what? If you didn't really have that much joy when you were first saved, because you didn't have strong faith, you will have joy like you've never known. And as the song says, the world didn't give it. The world can't take it away. It's an internal supply. Now, I'm going to share uh, something that we shared with the Connect Group leaders, our triangle, our God plan for our lives. This is his purpose for all of us. Starts at the top. Intimacy with God. You know, we didn't just put relationship with God. Close. Close relationship with God. David said, my soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. That close daily fellowship with him. Then the arrow goes to transformation. If that's going on, close relationship with Jesus, you can't not be changed (laughs) he just does it it's not a matter of you trying to change yourself we've all done that he just changes you all by himself and then comes the assignment you can't help but then be different in the world because you just think different 
You just are different. You just react different because it's a Jesus life, active on the inside. That's the plan. That's his purpose for you and me. And you know, it's not difficult. It really isn't. It's a flow of life from him to you out into the world where you live, where you work. You know, he wants to use all of us where we are. And it's not hard. You know, at the school gate, walking the dog, just the normal routines of life. Jesus, you know, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, as he came down the mountain, as he taught in the synagogues, people would cross his path. He would meet people just in the normal course of his day. This isn't something, your assignment, that you shoehorn in. Oh, I've got five minutes for Jesus today. Well, it's just like you just do your life and you trust him to lead you. He'll bring people across your path, you know. You're more important to the kingdom of God than you realize. Yes. All of us. Yes. We're more important to God's plan than we even realize. For many people, you know, you're the only Jesus they will see. You will meet people I will never meet. I will meet people you will never meet. That's just how it is, the places where we live and work. And it's just the simple things, you know, a listening ear but then an offer to pray. A listening ear and then a testimony. Small things. But these small things, it's scattering a bit of salt, isn't it? These small things make a big difference. And the Lord really values the small things. He can do a lot with just a little bit here and a little bit there. I've nearly finished, but we're going to look at some of my favorite scriptures now. Ephesians chapter 3. I pray these verses a lot for myself, but also for you, the church. And they're such complete... For me, it's like a complete picture of the Christian life, really. Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. Starts with bowing. For this reason I bow. I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Next verse. We just run all the way through. From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Remember, spirit, soul, body. He's there on the inside, strengthened with might by the spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. Believe he's there. If you're born again, believe he's there. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints. Think of all the saints in every nation. The width, amazing, the width and length and depth and height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, it blows your mind, we can't get it with our minds. And that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. We bow, we're strengthened, we believe, he fills us and then it goes on now to him who is able out into the world. But when I was reading this, I just thought Paul's praying for believers and Paul's praying for us, actually, the church in every generation, that we will be just bodies filled with God. Think of it. Lord, let me just be a body filled full of you. And let me tell you, there's some of me still got to get out for that to happen. Same as you, because we just want what we want. But Lord, I pray that. Work within me to will and to do. Let me be filled full of you. But it starts with the bowing. I bow my knees. 
Not my will, but your will. And if you're having a hard time being obedient over something particular, I really want to counsel you because this helps me every time. I get with God and I bow. I actually physically kneel. Um, and I just I get some worship on. I start to worship and I start just to love him and let him love me back. Do you know what I mean by that? You, it's like you minister, you, you give, you carve out a bit of space and time to bow and to worship and to love him, but then also give him the space to love you back, to minister to you, to speak, to speak to you as your heavenly Father, the one who knows you even better than you know yourself. Than yeah, than you know yourself. Um, personally, I, this is. I find it's easier to obey after that. Honestly, I do. Because, you know, the more you love, the easier it is to sacrifice. The more you love someone, the more you're prepared to go the extra mile, aren't you? You know? And Jesus actually says, if you love me, you'll obey me. We're going to finish with John 14. You can hear a pin drop. John 14, verses 15 and 16. Oh, but it's such good news. We should so celebrate this. The joy of our salvation. That is what he has won. That's what the enemy wants to take and get us living so low level or just everything's natural. And he's saying, come on, pick up your cross. I'll show you the real life. But this is the door to it. You know, if you've not got much life in your Christian life, it's probably because there's not much death. If you will take, if you'll go through the death, you get to the life. And let me tell you, it's so worth it. So worth it. John 14, 15 and 16. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Next verse. Oh, and I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. We know who that is, don't we? Holy Spirit, that he may abide with you forever. He hasn't called us to obey on our own, to grit our teeth and just try and pick up that thing. No, here's a helper. Here's the one. You know, with man, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. Look, with his little finger, he helps you pick that. And it's like, come on, let's do this together then. You're finding this really hard. Just come to me. Let me speak to you. We'll pick this thing up together and I will let you walk and it will feel like you're walking on air because it will be supernatural to carry this cross. Supernatural. A helper. Who convicts us when we're selfish? Have you experienced that? I hope you have. Happens quite often, doesn't it, if we're honest? Because we just want what we want. We're still all quite selfish, really. And so he will convict us. Uh -uh. Let me help you live for God. Let me help you just sacrifice that and walk this way. Happy is he whose God is the Lord, Scripture says. And so I really want to encourage you. I really hope I have. I'm trusting I have. You can cheer yourself right up this morning with a simple decision to take your eyes off yourself I start living for Jesus. One small, and let me tell you this, it's a small decision at, at a time. It happens in the small things. 
yes, it happens in the big things, but it's often always, in fact, it's always. Crunch point comes in the small things. Well, it's your turn to do it. Well, no, it's your turn. You know? One small decision at a time. Christ dwelling in your heart through faith. Filled with all the fullness of God. I just counsel you, believe that and just go out and love people this week. Love people with the love of God. Because you can. So I'm going to ask you to stand. If I could have the team forward. The question going out this morning, it's really simple but really important. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Everything we believe and everything we live out actually hinges on this answer. Is he just Jesus? Bless me, bless me, Jesus. Provide for me, do this for me, get me that job, give me that, you know, whatever it is. Or is he Jesus Christ, the anointed one? Messiah, ruler of nations, the one fit to rule. We were singing earlier about the Lord's return. I, I don't watch the news all the time. I kind of try and uh, clock in at least a couple of times a week. And um, I think it was either last week or the week before, there were a series of reports, one after another. It was um, around the time when they were giving reports on the year anniversary of the war in Ukraine. So it started with the war in Ukraine. It went to the earthquakes in Syria and Turkey. And then it went to food shortages. I sat there. My mouth dropped open. I said, blow me. This is Matthew 24 right there. In the last days, there will be wars and rumors of wars. Kingdom will rise against kingdom, nation against nation troubles, famines, persecutions. You'll be persecuted, he says. And it's the beginning of sorrows, it says. And I, you know, I, I tell you, I believe we are in end times. I do. I truly believe it with all my heart. I want to live ready. I want to live right and I want to live ready. I've said to the Lord, everything I have is yours Lord, really, from here on in, everything I own, everything I have, every ounce of energy in my body, it's yours till either you return or I go meet with you. Because I know he's so worth it. I know it's the most blessed life I could have. But more than that, I want to live a life that I'm not going to regret when I one day stand before him. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Kingdom Faith Southwest. For further information, log on to kingdomfaithsw.com.